Fox News alert. Cops just busted up a gang of illegal immigrants in Minnesota. Caught kidnapping at least three girls off the street as young as 11. One of those girls says she was lured into a car by a stranger. Fair use, by the way. Then transported to a house where she was tied up, forced to drink alcohol, and raped. One girl untied herself and ran to police. Police showed up and arrested the leader of the squad, an American named Oscar Luna from Texas, who goes by the name Panda. Panda was charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct, and as for the 11 illegals who are also staying at the house, we're told Border and Customs showed up, scooped them up, and now they won't tell us anything. They're dodging our questions. An American did this. So now, you know, not only you got to deal with illegal migrants, you have to deal with um, their American counterparts helping them commit crimes. Oh, boy. That, that, hmm. that is insane. Because you do have some... Uh, Spanish people who are backing illegal migrants coming here, that hiding them, giving them shelter. They don't give a damn about, you know, law and order or, or um, you know, the safety of their fellow Americans. They just care about getting in their relatives or their people into this country. Don't even care if they're pedos or gang members. Let's get into this story right now. All right. Oh, boy. It's really going to be a free-for-all in America. America is slowly turning into a third-world country. And you have people who are American with descent from where these migrants come from helping them out and that is true that's been that's been information for a while you know they're uh, helping illegals of avoid uh ice it's insane but let's get into this story right now because this is even more shocking Arrested in a statewide crackdown on human trafficking. Arrests were made in cities like Columbus to small rural communities. Yeah, this was a joint effort with the Attorney General's office and several law enforcement departments across the state. Crime Tracker 10, Lacey Crisp, live tonight from Columbus to explain the outcome. Lacey. Well, the youngest person arrested was 17, the oldest. 84. The Attorney General explains this shows just how widespread the problem is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I just, I just, uh, I just enjoy sex. I'm not gonna lie. I just, I just enjoy it. I'm, I'm not like a bad person. This is just one of the Johns arrested during a week-long crackdown dubbed Operation Buyer's Remorse. This is going to put a dent, a big dent in the demand for human trafficking, and it's going to send a message. I don't believe that because they're still coming across the border. They've been coming across the border since the Obama administration. And who knows, probably coming across the border during the Bush administration. And probably in Bush Sr.'s uh, administration. Not, this, this is not going to stop.
to lie. Because you got them working minors from other countries coming here illegally, working in butch in uh, slaughterhouse plants. Uh, they're serving alcohol to adults in bars. Some of them have died. It's not going to stop. Message about that demand. Oh, Mr. Police, you're under arrest. Attorney General Dave Yost explains local departments set up stings focused on the demand side or Johns to send a message about the impacts of human trafficking. There is no human trafficking without money. And there's no money without the men who are coming to buy sex. So the message is don't buy sex in Ohio. Columbus Division of Police's Police and Community Together or PACT unit arrested this same man twice in one day during the sting. Fairfield County Sheriff's Office arrested a sixth grade teacher. A former police chief from Mississippi was also arrested. Yost says it speaks to how widespread the problem is. Oh my goodness, the, all you gotta do is look at the list of people and where uh, to realize that this is happening everywhere. It even happens in rural counties, like Madison County. For someone to think that human trafficking doesn't happen to their, their community, they should think twice, because, you know, people that engage in this type of activity always try to fly under the radar. You know what I haven't seen yet? females females are also into this they also help in this type of situation don't get it twisted They're able to convince women uh, for a better life i mean <sighs> this uh sex trafficking situation i mean the trump administration helped this to get worse okay before you know, like I said about the T visa, okay. Um, before you could get a a, a T visa within uh, two to six months. Now you have to wait four years under the Trump administration. So who does who does that help? Who does Trump administration helps? It helped the Biden administration, and they're not doing anything about it. Okay. I'm sorry, but you can't tell me a, pres a president is doing anything about sex trafficking when he wants drag queen story time in uh, drag queen story time in schools and libraries. And, uh, you know, what? what is it? Um, non, you know, uh, transformer bathrooms. Okay. And down with all this woke nonsense. All right. You're not going to tell me a president is going to fight against human trafficking. All right. Plus, we live in a, in a, in a country where uh, child marriage is legal in 41 states. That's another reason why I don't think uh, child, you know, human trafficking is going to stop. All right. Sixth grader, sixth grade teacher, college professor among 160 busted in Ohio, human trafficking bust. 
An elementary school teacher, a college professor, and a pair of U.S. Air Force members are among 160 people charged in statewide human trafficking crackdown in Ohio, the state's top prosecutor said Tuesday. In addition to the arrest, operative buyer's remorse identified more than 100 human trafficking survivors. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost announced in a news news release. The arrest began September 25th and lasted through Saturday. They took place in every corner of the state, including and in and around Columbus, Cleveland, Toledo, Akron, Youngstown, Youngstown Marietta, and Portsmouth. It was cons- it was a concerted effort to stem the demand that fuels human tra- trafficking. Yost said, pointing to the involvement of nearly 100 law enforcement agencies and human service organizations across the Buckeye State. The Attorney General's Ohio Organized Crime Investigation Commission led the operation. The arrested in the operation ranged in age from 17 to as old as 84 and included an EMT nurses, former law enforcement officers, and retirees, Yost reported. Over the course of the week, 149 people looking to buy sex were arrested and charged with engaging in prostitution, according to the release. Additional arrests included two people who allegedly sought to engage in criminal sexual acts with minors and six for promoting prostitution. Others were arrested for illegally possessing drugs or firearms or an outstanding warrants. Okay. Among the arrested are Nick Claiborne, 29, of Rushville, arrested by the Fairfield County Sheriff's Office and Lancaster Police Department on charges of engaging in prostitution. Claiborne was a sixth grade teacher in the Fairfield Union Local School District in Lancaster, Ohio, until he resigned on Sunday. Sean Riken, a staff sergeant from the U.S. Air Force, arrested by the Montgomery County Human Trafficking Task Force near Dayton, Ohio. Jason Goins, a major in the U.S. Air Force, arrested by Montgomery County Human Trafficking Task Force. Michael Masterson, a former administrator at the University of Dayton, arrested by the Montgomery County Human Trafficking Task Force. Ramiski Karki, a professor at Indiana University, arrested by the Montgomery County Human Trafficking Task Force. It wasn't immediately clear Tuesday whether any of the arrested had obtained attorneys. Claiborne was hired over the summer, was in his first year as a teacher at the fair field union local school district superintendent chad bayfield told usa today the district placed claiborne on administrative leave thursday night after his arrest and he resigned his teaching position on sunday belleville said university of dayton officials told usa today that masterton is a former faculty member at the school and university uh, policy is not to comment on individual personal matters of or ongoing investigation. Spokesperson from the Air Force and Indiana University did not immediately return USA Today's request for comment. Wow. Police interviewed 104 survivors of human trafficking as a result of the sting, some located at illicit massage parlors. The victims, according to the release, were provided services from human care and social service organizations. The success of this operation is measured not only by the number of arrests, but also by the record resources ordered to survivors of human trafficking and the intelligence 
gathered that would propel long-term investigations forward. Uh, Yo said, he added, our message is simple. Don't buy sex in Ohio. The sad thing is, is you're going to have feminists that will say that this is empowering. Yeah, buy sex, buy sex. You know, sex work is work. You have those clowns saying that nonsense. All right. That's what's that's what's killing me, because it's not just the fact it's like this. It's like Super Mario Brothers, right? You play the game, you play Super Mario Brothers and you save the you save the princess. But what what happens? She's in another castle. You beat up Bowser, who's the pimp, let's just say. And she's in another castle where you have to fight the same guy. All right. So that's what it is. You you're doing this job. But then you got the feminists promoting this stuff, promoting prostitution, sex work, and the feminists who are just used by the elite and don't just, you know, want to be rebellious for rebellious sake, um, don't understand sex work encompasses a many, many things. And one of those things is human trafficking. All right. So let's talk about this, uh, Boston encampments now. Let's talk about that. Boston could start cracking down on the encampments at Mass and Cass this week. The city council will vote on an ordinance this Wednesday that would allow police to enforce a ban on makeshift shelters. As Boston 25 news reporter Drew Caritas found out, tensions are high in the community days ahead of this vote. Days before Wednesday's city council vote that could bring an immediate crackdown in the Mass and Cass corridor, there are concerns about where all of these people are going to go. Without a specific plan for where people are going to go, people are going to disperse. South End neighbor Ethel Bullitt is particularly worried about a new 30-bed shelter that the city plans to open on Mass Ave in the South End if the ordinance is passed. More people who are in need of services wandering the neighborhood um, and posing safety risks to themselves and to others. We're dealing with human beings who have needs, um, but we're also dealing with people who, you know, are on my stoop and ripping open packages, or I've even had people defecate right here on the stoop. The city's plan would bring in additional police officers to help disperse the crowds and enforce a ban on tents and encampments, which conceal illegal activity and public. Public safety issues. The ordinance would also help define the role of police officers at Mass and Cass, which accounts for about 2.5% of the city's 8% of violent crimes, 5% of property reports, 6 property crime reports, and 6% of arrests. land area. Boston Police Commissioner Michael Cox says that small space is associated with 8% of the city's violent crime reports, 5% of property crime reports, and 6% of arrests. Where are they going to go? They're just going to corral them to somewhere else and affect businesses and um, people who own property somewhere else. It's, it's awful. Kevin Daly says he believes clearing the encampments is going to send these concentrated issues scattering into other communities. Anna Gahate is convinced 
it's going to make it even tougher to find housing for people recently facing homelessness like herself. I've been on the street for a month. I'm not a drug addict, I'm nothing. It's hard for me. What about me that don't got a needle in the back of my arm? 80% of these people don't want to be rejuvenated. They don't want it. If approved by the majority of the 13-member Boston City Council, the ordinance can go into effect immediately. The thing is, is like, we have, they have the money. This country has the money to take care of these people, to give them jobs. And if they don't want to be rehabilitated, then they could go to jail. Oh, that's wrong. That's not right. You don't want to get better. But you want to stay on the street, commit crime. No. No. You don't want to be rehabilitated, then you have to go to prison. That's it. That, that's it. The problem is, it's like society has gotten so dumbed down. And so, I don't, I don't know even how to say it, but uh, it's to the point where you can't understand right or wrong anymore. Not willing to do what it takes to get a society running society is like the human body okay and if you don't do what it takes to keep your body fit you're going to lose it or you're going to end up in the hospital or, or unfortunately amputation may be up on the table anyway speaking of that let's talk about the elimination of cash bail in illinois Fair use. Rarely has an issue animated politicians and voters the way this one has. No cash bail. Beginning tomorrow in Illinois, money is gone as a condition of pretrial release. Tonight, a look at the unprecedented changes coming to courtrooms. On Monday, in room 100 of the Leighton Criminal Courthouse, history will be made. Mary Marubio is the presiding judge of the pretrial division of the Circuit Court of Cook County. People who have recently been arrested uh, and who are awaiting pretrial conditions will be coming here, receiving those conditions, and then being released from custody. When those first proceedings begin, Illinois will become the first state to eliminate cash bail. Will this law make us more or less safe? So I believe it's going to make us more safe. That's not everyone's view. J.B. Pritzker's purge law has put you in danger. Criticism of the no-cash bail overhaul was harsh. We have about 640 people in jail. Half of them would walk out on day one. Supporters caught the skepticism fear-mongering. Keeping violent criminals in jail, not allowing them have to have bail, but taking nonviolent criminals and saying that there's no reason for us to have to pay for you to sit in jail when you can't afford the few hundred dollars to get out of jail. After a challenge. Okay, so have um, no cash bail for nonviolent offenders. But cash bail for violent offenders. It's very simple. From virtually every state's attorney, Illinois' highest court upheld the law, paving the way for the new system to take effect. Here's how it works. Beginning Monday, police must issue citations for suspects accused of low-level misdemeanors. Those individuals will be given a court date and released. 
For more serious crimes, where a suspect is arrested and remains in police custody, a decision about pretrial release will go to the court. Conditions for release are set in an initial hearing. Then the prosecutor can request a defendant remain in jail. Witnesses are allowed and the victim will be notified. The whole thing about money, the ability to having to pay money, um, just isn't a part of the scenario anymore. Sharon Mitchell is the Cook County Public Defender. Before the pretrial fairness act, a judge could make a determination that the person is eligible for release, but they had to pay a certain amount of money. The new system basically makes a determination about whether somebody is eligible to be released, just like the old system, and then the judge just makes a yes or no decision. The judge will issue a ruling after listening to arguments from the prosecutor and defense attorney. We look at the person's background, and that includes prior convictions, even prior juvenile adjudications, uh, past failures to appear, and we look at the nature and circumstances of the offense in front of us. The law defines detention-eligible offenses. Some of them are domestic battery, stalking, predatory criminal sexual assault, violations of order of protection, most gun charges, and murder. Some charges that uh, themselves don't qualify for detention. The law tweaks how police treat some suspects, enumerating offenses that require release. Among them, petty offenses, certain misdemeanors, people charged with burglary where no one is harmed, and battery without great bodily harm. But police maintain discretion to take a suspect into custody. Even if the person is eligible to be cited and released, the officer can choose to take that person through the normal process that gives law enforcement a little bit more flexibility and freedom over allocating the resources that they uh, desperately need. Rather than a defendant arguing they should be released awaiting trial, it's assumed that they will be. It's up to prosecutors to push for a defendant to remain behind bars. The discretion uh, is with the state to file that petition, and to be clear, that's the standard now. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, a strong supporter of the new system, says she Oh boy. Yep, yep, yep. This is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Remember a story about how um, a cab driver was stabbed to death, and she let the guy... The killer walk away scot free. It's the, oh man, nope, no, 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 no. She believes no cash bail will lead to more violent offenders remaining in jail. Since you've been in this job, you've argued for fewer people to be behind bars. How do you square keeping the public safe with your goal of fewer people in jail? My goal has always been to have dangerous people in jail. I think what has happened is people have conflated that when I said that we want to reduce the jail population, I want to reduce it for those who don't belong there because they don't pose a risk to public safety. That's always been our goal, is that we need to make sure that that jail is housing those who we believe are a threat to public safety or pose a real flight risk. As for those charged with low-level, nonviolent offenses, money will no longer be a condition of their pretrial release. Hmm. All right.
suspected accused of violent felonies, some of with some of with extensive criminal records, are now roaming the streets of Illinois as they wait trial, thanks to a liberal law that ended cash bail. In the state, a Washington Free Beacon review found after the law went into effect mid-September, array of violent arrestees who may have otherwise remained behind bars were released from custody without bail. One Illinois man whose rap sheet includes 15 arrests was released after he was allegedly after he allegedly bit an off police officer and squeezed the officer's testicles. Another man who was allegedly on parole for armed robbery avoided pretrial detention after allegedly breaking into a high-end boutique. A third woman was released from custody after she appeared to attack four Chicago police officers. The woman's release came on the first day the state bail reform went into effect. The releases provide a window to the impact of the state's Safety Act. Oh, I heard about this, which passed in 2021, but faced an array of legal challenges before it went into effect earlier this month. While many liberal cities have enacted policies to scale back cash bail, Illinois is the first state to abolish it. Out of 102 county prosecutors, 100 opposed the law. <clears throat> many of those prosecutors blasted the state's liberal legislator for imposing measures on localities where law enforcement officials opposed an end to cash bail. Unfortunately, the citizens of Illinois, who are the sovereign's authority, were not consulted in this significant matter. Will County Prosecutor James Glasgow said after the Illinois Supreme Court ruled in favor of the bail reforms law constitutionally, I will continue to fulfill the oath of office to the best of my ability. And I pray to God that prosecutors and law enforcement will continue to be able to properly address violent crime and maintain safety, the safe, <clears throat> maintain the safety of our communities. Given the serious limitations placed on all our agencies by the act. Illinois Democratic Governor J.P. Pritzker, who hailed the historic statue, statute as a critical step toward a more equitable and just Illinois, did not return a request for comment. One of the, the released suspects, Nicholas Koskar, was charged with three crowns of aggravated battery to a peace officer. Costco also faces phone harassment charges after prosecutors said he left his girlfriend a voicemail that implied he would could dismember her body. Costco was arrested for the alleged offenses in 2022 and remained in jail after failing to post bond. Once the safety act went into effect, however, Costco filed the petition for his release. Terry Johnson, who was already on parole for armed robbery and aggravated battery, was released after allegedly breaking into a high-end boutique. Johnson and six other suspects helped steal $68,000 worth of purses and other merchandise. Esmeralda Aguilar, meanwhile, allegedly battered four police officers in downtown Chicago, two of whom required medical attention. Cook County Prosecutor Kim Fox, who has received millions in campaign contributions from liberal billionaire George Soros, failed to file detention motion in the case, meaning Aguilar was immediately released. For the state, <clears throat> for the state lawmaker John Curon, Aguilar's release shows that Illinois Democrats are prioritizing violent offenders over law enforcement and victims of crime. This highlights the, the misplaced priorities of Illinois' crime ju criminal justice system when the prosecutors prioritizes the freedom of a violent offender over the safety of those police officers dedicated to protecting and serving our communities, Curran said. Is there any other any, <clears throat> any wonder why police recruitment is at an all-time low in the state? In addition to Costco Johnson, 
and Aguilar, other Illinois felony defendants, were released before trial after being arrested for unlawful weapon possession and sexual abuse, among other things, <clears throat> among other crimes. Under the Safety Act, formerly known as the Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and e Equity Today Act, prosecutors must make the case for why a suspect should be held in custody. Only forcible felonies qualify for pretrial detention. And in those cases, variables such as the defendant's flight risk, the likelihood they will return to court, and their danger to community are considered. Calls to end cash bail gain momentum in Illinois and elsewhere following George Floyd's death in 2020. Illinois Democrats started drafting the Safety Act's provision following Floyd's death when support for left-wing police reform increased in much of the country. However, the support, that support has since waned as U.S. cities experienced spikes in violent crime in the spring of 2022. For example, 65% of Michigan voters said they opposed legislation to lower or eliminate bail bonds, according to a poll. The House Judiciary Committee earlier this week held a hearing on Chicago crime, which has spiked in recent months. House Democrats declined to attend the hearing, blasted it as a political stunt, while Pritzker accused the committee's Republicans of engaging in fear-mongering and lies. People got to prepare, man. That's all I have to say. You guys have to prepare because it's getting ugly out here. You really do. All right. So we're going to take a little trip to India right now and see what's going on in their hospitals. Fair use. Story tonight on Beyond Fine Print is coming from a small city in the Indian state of Maharashtra. A hospital has come under probe after 31 people died within 48 hours. Among them are 16 children, infants. While most adults were patients between 70 and 80 years of age, reports suggest that 71 patients are still in critical condition. The government control hospital lies in eastern Maharashtra. Officials said that some died due to a heart attack, some due to kidney disease, a snake bite, and some were cases of accident. The deaths have sparked a political row where the opposition has blamed the state government. While the debate is on over the state's apathy, the political class was seen putting the blame squarely on the administration. A video showing the member of parliament from the ruling party forcing a senior hospital official to clean the lavatory is now doing the rounds on social media. Earlier, while explaining the situation, the hospital's dean had blamed a shortage of manpower for the crisis. He said, and I quote, due to transfers of various staffers, there was some difficulty. We were supposed to buy medicines from an institute, but that also didn't happen. Almost every year, these cases resurface from remote cities and towns. One case came this August from the Thane district within the span of 24 hours, a total of 18 patients had lost their lives in the Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj Hospital. Naturally, this created outrage across the state, but prompted no action. That incident came on the heels of five patients dying in a day on August 10th. 
What I'm trying to say is that what happened in Maharashtra today is not an isolated incident. There is a history of apathy and carelessness. Government hospitals are often the only hope for people from weaker economic backgrounds. There are recurring complaints of long waiting lines, scarcity of resources and extreme shortage of doctors. But would shocking incidents like these trigger any change? That only time will tell. For more on this story, our principal... This is insane. This is... This is wild. And I was thinking that, you know, some people want, you know, universal health care and stuff. And you want the government to give you health care. You want to trust the government where they can't be trusted. Correspondent Disha Shah has been tracking the updates and she has sent us this latest report. Take a look. That's right, 31 people, including 16 infants and 15 adults, have died in the span of 48 hours alone in Nanded City's government hospital, which is in the state of Maharashtra, approximately 600 kilometers from the financial capital city, Mumbai. And it's a serious issue because most of the adults who died had suffered snake bites from the places where they live, especially in the tribal and the rural areas, and they had to travel more than 25 kilometers to the only government hospital, and they could not survive the treatment. So why do you think they were, they were having this? Why, 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 what makes you think they would, they would be having this carelessness? Hmm. What could be the issue here? What could be the motive for this to go on? What could it be? Oh, this. This is what it is. The dark side of India's illegal organ trafficking. Okay. The list of people waiting to get donors is getting longer and longer. Is there a shortage of donors, donors in our country? or something else. In Mumbai itself, 4,000 plus patients are waiting for organ transplant, where if we go by record, only 200 out of 4,000 may secure a donor by the end of the year. According to the data, the number of the transplants only grow from 6,916 in 2014 to about 6,041 in 2022. It has further dropped to half of what it is now, to 7,443 if we go through the data from 2014 to 2022 further the number of live donors liver donors only increased from 1,327 to 3,911 kidney donors only increased from 5,512 to 11,705 heart donors from 53 to 243 and lung donors from 15 to 144. According to reports, one person is added every 10 minutes to a waiting list of organ transplant. Though the health ministry has announced a series of steps to promote organ donations, which also includes doing away with domicile rule, removal of age bar for registration of recipients, removal fee for registration for transplant, easing rule on withdrawal of life support, passive enthiasa, facilitation of organ transplant across the country, 
in India, transplant and donations come under the Transplantation of Human Organ and Issues Act of 1994. Under this act, removal and storage and transplantation of human organs can only take place for therapeutic purposes. The act prevents commercial dealing in human organs, that is organ trafficking. According to reports, India is a huge, in, a, in, in India, a huge gap exists between patients with who require organ transplant and the donors that are available. The Indian or government has implemented the National Organ Transplant Programming to promote organ donation from decreased deceased persons to increase the availability of organs for transplant. The aim with the program was to bridge the gap between demand and supply of organs. The challenges which the patients in India face is that they have to wait for two years to get an organ. The one who suffers the most in the, this long waiting list is the poor. Another challenge is the organ trafficking, which means the human organs are illegally acquired by fraud, force, or any other legal means for money in exchange with third parties. According to the report by Justice Upheld, there is not much data available regarding those whose organs are removed. It is also very difficult to trace the sellers. The report says that the organ sellers are mostly from urban slums and poverty-prone districts. Organ trafficking is one of the most severe areas of exploitation in India. Low supply and high demand for organs has led to the crime of organ trafficking. Let me tell you about a well-known case of organ trafficking, Dr. Amit Kumar, who has made around 500 illegal transplants before his arrest. The foreigner laborers were treated as live donors with the promise of being paid rupee three lakhs. It was alleged that Amid Kumar charged approximately 50000 for each operation. He was arrested in Nepal. The report by Justice Upheld further reveals that organ harvesting is continuously growing at an alarming rate. And this organ trafficking is likely to further increase in India in coming years. The report says that brokers, doctors, transplant centers, and drug companies are the main beneficiaries in the kidney trade, which is even more than kidney buyers. The same report reveals that organ trafficking happens mostly through five-star hospitals who offer transplant tourism services. Now the question arises, if nobody then who if nobody then who can solve the challenges of human organ donation and control organ trafficking? It is none other than our Indian government. It is the duty and responsibility of the government to fill the loopholes which exist in the whole process and make strict laws against organ trafficking. I don't see that happening. Okay. I don't see that happening at all because the government is going to make their money one way or the other, and they're going to do it. I mean, this type of stuff is also in uh, China. Okay. So this this is not going to uh, be something that the government is going to take care of, especially when money is involved. All right. That's all I got for now. Um, let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, like, share, comment, and subscribe. I'm on Rumble, Radical Thoughts 791, um, Spotify, Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. Patreon will soon be, will be coming soon. And uh, that's about it. Later. Like, share, comment, and subscribe.